Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today I want to begin a new series called All We Need Is Love. You can't say that without hearing it in your head, right? You, you hear the song in your head, right? you know, all you need is love. There it is. You know, so every time I'm, I'm you know, sitting in my office and I'm studying and I read the, the top of my, my page there, all we need is love, I hear that little I hear that every time. So now you're welcome. You get to hear it too. In order for this series to go in the direction that I believe that God wants to take it, um, I believe I've got to lay a foundation today. Um, I, I want to get to where we're heading and I want to get there quickly. Um, but I felt like God was leading me in a different direction. And even last night I was struggling with it. And I just believe that, that God wants the, the, the beginning of this series to be inward focused. And then the end of this series, it will be outward focused. And usually during the month of November, I'm always preaching messages that, that really creates an atmosphere of us being outward focused. But in order for us to accomplish what God wants us to do as a church and as individuals, I believe that we've got to take a look at the inside and we've got to start here and then let God's light shine out. And so we've got to lay this foundation of truth that's going to set the tone for the weeks to come in this month that we call Serve Month. And this is that time of year that we, we intentionally go out and, and we go out of our way even to, to display the love of God in very practical ways to our community and surrounding communities. And in order to do this properly, today we've got to have this complete and thorough understanding of God's love for me. Of God's love for you. And for some of you, you don't realize that God loves you. Not, not through all of the, the, the mishaps that you've had in life. For some of you, it's, it's some of your mistakes. And it, you, just, you just think it's hard for a, a holy God to love you. And what I want to do today is I want to I reprogram your mind. I want you to experience the love of God the way that I experience the love of God. I want you to understand completely that God loves you. And so I want you to say those three words with me. I want you to say, God loves me. Will you say those words? Tell the person next to you. See, you've, some of you have never declared this over your life. Look at the person next to you and say, God loves me. I'll turn to the person on the other side. You need to tell them too. Say, God loves me. He doesn't love you, but he loves me. No, don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. Leave that alone. Leave that alone. God loves me. And before we can love someone else, whether it be our mother, our father, our spouse, our children, or even a complete stranger, before we can love someone else, we first have to recognize the love of God and the love that he has for us. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and I will get there in a few moments. The topic of love has been debated, defended, and disputed by some of the greatest minds on this planet. Minds that are much smarter than I am. Some of the greats have tried their best to talk about a complicated subject. But so many times, their words just become confusing. 
Take, for instance, how the great news editor Huey Lewis said it. He said, the power of love is a curious thing. Make a one man weep, make another man sing. Or how about the angelic harmonies of new edition? <laughs> if it isn't love, why do I feel this way? Why does she stay on my mind? If it isn't love, why does it hurt so bad, make me feel so sad inside? If it isn't love. It's deep, isn't it? Or how about this great psalm of inspiration that was originally performed by the Jay Giles Band and was resurrected in 1998 by Robbie Hart, also known as the Wedding Singer. <laughs> I dug deep, man. I'm telling you, I went for great inspiration. Or they said, you love her, but she loves him. And he loves somebody else. You just can't win. And so it goes till the day you die, this thing they call love, it's going to make you cry. If you know the chorus, feel free to sing it with me. Love stinks. Love stinks. Come on. It's really that simple. That's the chorus, okay? Everybody together now. Love stinks. And I see timing's not your issue. That's okay. Uh, you always got that one that wants to stand out, right? So church, with, with so many songs, books, and movies that are dedicated to the subject of love, you would think that by now we would all be experts on it. You would think that we would have a good understanding of what true love really looks like because there has been plenty of songs, books, movies, material. It's out there. Everybody has an opinion on love, but yet we are so far from the truth of love. Love is one of the most misunderstood subjects on the planet. Some people may define it as committed, forgiving, lasting. Someone else might say that love is intimacy, yet still someone else might say that true love does not exist. And our world is confused about love, and, and dare I say that I think the church is confused about love too. Not, not necessarily this church, but the church as a whole, the global church, especially the church in America. I believe that we are confused about what true love really looks like and how to display love. And so in order for us to truly extend love out and, and let it reach out into the community and, and around the world even, in order for that to happen, we've got to figure out what love means to us and what it looks like like in our lives and, 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 and how God loves us. And if we can figure that out, then I think that we can extend love the proper way. But the church is confused about love. So it should be as no surprise when we question whether or not God loves us. And I know that there's people in this room that, that you do that. You question whether or not God loves you and I know that, that in our heart of hearts, we know, or at least we think we know, that, that, that God has to love us. I mean, he's God. God has to love us, right? I mean, it doesn't feel right to say God doesn't love me, but yet we get caught up in that mindset sometimes. But my question is, does he? Does God really love me? Does God really have to love you? 
Is that really what, what it boils down to? Does, does God have a choice in this thing? And if we're honest this morning, we'll admit to ourselves that we, we often play this game. It, it, it's the, the play the flower petal game. You remember that? He loves me. He loves me not. And it works like this. It's like when, when everything's going good in your life and you're blessed, you know, you're walking through that season. It's a mountaintop experience. And when you're walking through that season, it's like he loves me. But man, you let the rug be pulled out from underneath you. You let your world start falling apart. And if you're not careful, you'll very quickly say, he loves me not. And we go through these seasons of life where we say, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. I'm doing everything the right way. God's blessing me. He loves me. Oops, I made a mistake and now my world's crashing. He loves me not. And we keep going through this. And I think what we're doing in our minds is we're playing this, this flower petal game and, and we're hoping, we're just, we're, we think, well, this is just the way it is. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. I'm blessed, I'm not blessed. I'm blessed, I'm not blessed. And we're hoping that somewhere in all that, when we get to the end of our flower and it's the last pedal that we're ending on he loves me and 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 then we die and we we make it to heaven and i think if that's our mentality we've got a very skewed mentality of what god's love really looks like for humanity and apparently this confusion about love did not begin yesterday the apostle paul addressed this in his letter to the church in ephesus he talked about love and in his letter to, to the Ephesians, Paul offers a prayer for them. And, and I want this prayer to become my prayer today. This is my prayer for you because I, I stand here right now completely and totally convinced that God loves me. But yet there's some of you that you're having a hard time believing that God really loves you. And before you can be effective, before you can be a change agent for the kingdom of God, before you can extend his love, grace, and mercy to the world, you've got to come to grips with the fact that no matter who you are and what you've done and what you've been through, that God loves you. Amen. And when you walk out of this room today, I want you to know that. And so my prayer today is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. This is my prayer for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Paul says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let me talk about this just for a moment. We'll come back to it. Let me tell you what Paul is saying in this. Have you ever, have you ever seen that child that they, they get the love and the edification at home? And you can see that child. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily the the, the loudest child in the room or, or, or the most sure-footed child. It just means that you can look on their face and you can tell that they're loved. They're not the most accomplished. They're not the smartest kid necessarily. But you can tell when you look at that child that they know that their, their father or their mother loves them. There's this reassurance that they have. It's, it, it's this inner strength that their parents have given them because of that love. But you can also look at a child that, that is missing that love from their parents. Oh, we want that child to be loved so much, but if you stay around that child for very long, you will notice that there are some serious character flaws with that child because they don't feel that love and, and, and they're missing that inner strength that comes from God. And so Paul says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. He goes on to say, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. 
Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Listen to what he says. This is his prayer. He says, I want you to realize how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love is. That's Paul's prayer for the church. He says, I want you to know how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is for you. And that is my prayer for you. I want you to walk out of this room today understanding how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is for you. And he says in verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ. And I love that he says this, though it is too great to understand fully. So understand, we will not walk out of this room today completely comprehending the love of God because it's beyond human ability, but we're going to try our best. And Paul says, it, it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And so I want us to walk out of this room today in the fullness of life and the power that comes from God, because if we are going to reach out with God's love, then we've got to know that we are loved. But the enemy is constantly trying to convince us that God does not love us. Right now, the enemy has an attack on your life and he's trying to convince you that somehow, some way, you've been disqualified from the love of God. Unless you're perfect. To which I will admit to you, I'm not perfect. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I'm not perfect. But yet God loves me anyway. You're not perfect. And God loves you anyway. And the devil wants to, to convince you that because of a mistake that because of sin, that because of a thought, that because something's not right, he wants to convince you that God doesn't love you and he would rather you live in guilt and in shame than walking out in God's love and forgiveness. One of the greatest tools of the enemy to make you feel separated from God's love is when he makes you feel unworthy. Newsflash, church. None of us are worthy. I'm not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of God's love. But just because we're not worthy of it doesn't mean it's not extended to us. In Romans 8 and 38, Paul writes to the, the church in Rome and he says these words. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He says, neither death nor life. Neither angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. And then he says these words. He says, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Not even the enemy schemes, not, not the devil himself. He cannot separate you from the love of God. So whatever the enemy is trying to convince you of right now, whatever sin he's trying to bring back up in, you, in your mind and, and recall from your past and from your history, and it might have been last night when the Gators lost. You might have said some things that you shouldn't have said but he's trying to convince you right now man we had so many bulldog fans in the first service y'all just pray y'all pray it was it was bad everywhere i looked man they were showing out 
And so I, 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 I cussed in my mind at them. I did. I did. But it doesn't separate me from the love of God. Amen? The devil himself cannot separate me from the love of God. And if you showed up to church today in this attempt to earn God's love, you are sadly mistaken in your understanding of who God is. Because you don't get to come to church and earn his love. It's not the way that God works. He loved you before you decided to come to church. And for some of you, you showed up an hour early because you forgot to change your clock. And you don't get bonus points for that either. God doesn't love you anymore because you showed up on time. Then that couple that just walked in and sat down and they were late. But no, no. God doesn't love you anymore. Because you get it right. He loved you before all of that. And so what you have to realize is that God doesn't love me any more than that he loves that womanizer that you work with. Amen. God doesn't love me any more than he does that ex that you despise. He doesn't love me any more than he loves a murderer. He doesn't love me any more than he does a rapist. God doesn't love me any more than he loves a terrorist. This is tough, isn't it? Because it says, for God so loved the world. It's not confined to our Americanized Christian mindset of that we think that we've got the, the, the monopoly on this. You think he loves America more than he loves anybody else on this planet? But rejoice at what that means to you. That means that God didn't love Billy Graham any more than he loves you. God didn't love Mother Teresa any more than he loves you. He doesn't love the family that seems all put together in their Christian values any more than he loves you and your dysfunctional family. Please don't ever look at my family and think we have it all together. There's a reason why we had to put shades on our back sliding glass windows. <laughs> you creepers. We'd see you slow down out there on the highway looking in through our back. Some of you would actually take pictures, zoom in and take pictures of me sitting in my recliner watching TV. You're weird. <laughs> but we're not perfect, man. I'm telling you, we're not. And God doesn't love Whoever you value and whoever you place on a pedestal and you call that family perfect, he doesn't love them any more than he loves your family. The world paints this picture of a perfect family unit. Listen to me, single moms out there in the room. God doesn't love that perfect family unit any more than he loves your family. And the crazy thing about it is that even if you don't love him, he still loves you. Even if you don't love him back, God still loves you. That, that doesn't change. God loves you. Romans 5 and 8, Paul says, but, but God shows his love for us. That means he demonstrates. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means before I ever accepted his love and loved him back, he loved me. He loved me. 
No matter where you're at in life right now, God loves you and you've got to understand this. Please hear my words today because someone needs to hear this. God loves you. God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die so that you wouldn't have to. That's how much God loves you and you didn't have to get it right in order for Him to love you that much because He just always has loved you that much. But one of the most confusing things about love is is how we use it in the English language. The English language is so confusing. It's it's like this. I love my wife. How many of you believe I love my wife? Raise your hand. If If you're not raising your hand, God doesn't love you. No. I love my wife. I do, baby. I love you. I love you. I know. That's the great theologian, Han Solo. I know. I love my wife, but I also love her spaghetti too. A girl makes good spaghetti. Listen, if you invite us over to your house, don't make spaghetti because your spaghetti just stinks, okay? My wife makes good spaghetti. You take lessons from her. Her spaghetti is great. But I love her, but I love her spaghetti. I love my kids, but I also love watching NCAA basketball. No, I do. I love it. I love, I love it more than I love my kids, actually. <laughs> I love watching NCAA basketball. I do. I I wish that that was a joke, but it's absolutely true. (laughs) I love our church. But I love Texas Day Brazil. (laughs) And I will accept gift cards. Okay. Our word love, I think you get it. You understand it. Our love, our our word for love, it encompasses many feelings and so many emotions. It's deep and it's shallow. And it's so diverse in its contextual use. And and so when we say, I love something, do we really love something or, 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 or do we love something? I mean, it's just, it's so broad, isn't it? There's a story that I've read recently of a young man who told his father at breakfast one morning that he was about to get married. And his father looked at him and questioned him. He said, son, how how do you know you're ready to get married? He said, are you in love? And the young man said, I sure am. He said, how do you know that you're in love, son? And he said, well, last night I was kissing my girlfriend goodbye and her dog bit me and dad, I didn't even feel it till I got home. (laughs) I'm afraid that our understanding of true love has been so skewed by, by us throwing the word around and not thinking about what we're actually saying. Amen. Do you know how many girls that I told that I loved them between the ages of 12 and 18? You want to know? You're not going to know. <laughs> At 13 years old, that's the first time I ever remember telling a girl that I loved her. And it was because we were at the skating rink in Perry and I just got my first kiss. I loved her. I didn't love her. I loved her about like I loved the pizza rolls at the snack bar. I mean, they were actually better than the kiss. She probably thought the same thing though. At 16 years old, I started telling a, another girl that, that I loved her off and on. For three years, for three years, three and a half years, 
off and on, I would tell her I loved her. It, it was, it was the, the, you know, he loves me, he loves me now. He loves, it depends on if we were fighting, because we, we, we would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. I didn't love her. Trust me. I did not love her. And I want to declare that in front of my wife. I did not love that girl. <laughs> it was a word that, that I didn't use carefully. And I'm not by myself. There's plenty of people in this room. And so Mandy and I had been dating for a couple of months. And, and our friendship had, had actually started seven months earlier. I had matured enough to understand the consequences of saying I love you. So I was careful with it. Mandy was too. But that day came when I realized that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And we were in Ruskin, Florida when we told each other that we loved each other. The English language, we just throw that word out there, not understanding what we're actually saying. The ancient Hebrew language was a lot like the English, English language in the fact that, that certain words had multiple uses. And so there was this Hebrew word that was most often used in your Old Testament. Um, and it was the, the word ahava. And ahava was often translated love and, and, it, and it just had these multiple meanings and, and it can be a little confusing to interpret because it too can be applied to a number of different feelings and such. But by the time that you get to the New Testament, things had changed. Now, now I want you to listen because for some of you, this is going to be one of the greatest history lessons you ever heard. By the time you get to the New Testament and the, and, and the time that, that the New Testament was actually being written, the, the common language in Israel and the known world at that time was Greek. They had a common language. And Greek was not as primitive as the Hebrew language and certainly not as carefree as the English language. They had very intentional words to describe things and they had very intentional words to express their feelings. And so in your New Testament, there's multiple Greek words that are used for our interpretation of love. And so all throughout your New Testament, when you read the word love, it, you, you really need to dig deep to find out what that word means. And so we have multiple words now. It's not all, you won't find all of the Greek words for love in the New Testament, but there are some that stand out. One that stands out to me is storge. And storge was this familial love. It was like the way that you would love your family members, your extended family members, your mom, your dad, your siblings. It's not a, a romantic love. It's how you love your family. And, and then you had philia. And philia was a brotherly love. It's where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so it's a friendship type of love. Then there was the Greek word eros. And eros was a sensual, a romantic love. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, okay? That, that, I'd have to charge you extra to talk about that. So let's just keep going. But then there's this word agape. And agape, agape was this unconditional, sacrificial love. It's vulnerable. 
It means you don't have to get it all right in order to be loved. This love goes beyond the mistakes. This love goes beyond whether you're following the law of God. Agape. It was a love that that none of the other loves could possibly compare to because it was so much deeper and so much more powerful. And so the Greek language provided us a, a true understanding of what love is. And church, listen to me. If you think that it is by accident that Christ was born during the time frame that the Greek language was the prominent language of the known world, you're mistaken. Because I'm, I'm telling you, this was very deliberate on God. And you add to the fact that the Romans had greatly improved the road systems. And now, not only could we understand God's love as they write the New Testament, because we have very specific words uh, describing what that love was but now we could also have the road system to where we could spread that love and so if you want to know why Christ was born at the time that he that he, that he was born it was very intentional by God Galatians 4 and 4 says but when the right time came God sent his son when was that right time it was at the moment that the Greek language was the common language and the road system had been prepared in order for it to, to leave Jerusalem and to spread all around the world. God was very intentional with his timing and when the right time came, God demonstrated his love. At just the right moment, God sent his son to die for me. At just the right moment, God sent His Son to die for you and knew that it would reach you today. And at the moment that humanity can now see love's true meaning, God expressed it through Jesus Christ, His Son. In closing, I want to point out one more scripture to you. In 1 John 4 and 8, it tells us these these simple words. God is love. Do you want to guess which Greek word is used there? Agape. God is unconditional. Sacrificial, vulnerable. Is it not overwhelming to you to realize that God is so vulnerable for you? That even though we may not receive His love, He still sends it. Even though we may reject His love, He keeps on loving. That it doesn't matter what you've done right and what you've done wrong. He loves you just the same. He's no respecter of persons in the sense that he doesn't love one more than he loves the other. 
the greatest of heroes in the Bible, God loves them just as much as he loves me. Some of you are not going to agree with me, but I want to tell you this, and I want you to listen close to me. You don't have to change for God to love you. I want you to understand that. You don't have to change for God to love you. You don't have to change for God to love you. He loves you. Even if you don't agree with me, will you just say it? Because I, I want this to penetrate your spirit. I want you to, to hear this. You don't have to change for God to love you. Will you say it? You don't have to change for God to love you. Oh, we sound like a cult right now, but it's all right. <laughs> say it again. You don't have to change for God to love you. Say it together with everyone. Let's say it. You don't have to change for God to love you. You don't. But as you're going to see next week, you do have to change to love him back. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.